All right, Acts chapter 1, and amen when everyone has it. <clears throat> not, not as long of an introduction to Acts as maybe I typically give when we go into new books, but uh, what we're going to find here in Acts, especially in these early chapters here, is the beginning of the church. Amen? The beginning of the church. And uh, I'll give you this. We know that um, Acts was written by Luke, same author as the, the Gospel of Luke. Amen? Um, the leader here, starting out, we're going to see two predominant leaders that, 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 um, in the apostles here in Acts. Um, first of all, we're going to see Peter, and then later on, we're going to see Paul. So you're going to have Peter and Paul. Um, of course, we first hear of Paul as Saul, amen, in Acts. And so we'll see uh, quite a, a miraculous conversion that takes place there with him. But starting out here, we're going to see Peter. Why is that? Because we're going to see the same pattern here. The gospel goes to the Jews first in Jerusalem then to the Gentiles. Peter is an apostle to the circumcision. Paul will be the apostle to the uncircumcision. Peter's main ministry, while it was certainly to all Christians, but had a Jewish audience, whereas Paul's a Gentile audience. All right. Um, in, with the writer here, with Luke, the Gospel of Luke tells us of all Jesus did on earth. But now Acts will tell us of what Christ is doing while in heaven through His body, the church. We see this remarkable event take place where Christ has ascended into heaven, which we'll see here in these first few verses. He ascends into heaven, and then what we'll see here also within these first couple chapters, He gives us that promise of the Holy Spirit to come back and and begin the work of building the church in the beginning of the church age. Uh, so quite an amazing thing there. Um, again, that pattern is to the Jew first and then to the rest of the world. And so right here in, in chapter 1, verse 1, we'll go ahead and get to it. Starting at Jerusalem, let's read the first several verses. I say I'll go through verse 8 for this evening. Acts chapter 1. Verses 1 through 8, the scripture reads this, The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, 
And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. Uh, let's just start right back over with verse 1. First thing he talks about is the former treaties. Uh, that would be the reference to the Gospel of Luke, which he wrote pre before this, um, dealing with the events that took place before Jesus's uh, before Jesus's ascension. Now we see the second part of Luke's writing. Amen. The second part. Amen. Uh, and this is Jesus being taken up, and then he gives commandments to the apostles, uh, and so. I'll point this out too. It says here that uh, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Uh, to truly follow Jesus' example, we have to do and teach. Amen? We can't just do one. We have to do both. We have to be doers and teachers. Amen? Um, so it's uh, it's important. Uh, and, and, and actually, I would say that it's important in that order. Uh, in order to be a good teacher, it's good that you're a good doer of the word first. Amen. Uh, if you're putting faith into practice, then that certainly would uh, double the impact of your testimony, which is something very important to have effectiveness in your teaching. Amen. Um, so follow Jesus's example with that. But then he talks about uh, he talks about this in verse two until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So Luke clearly uh, uh, tells us here that the first treaty there, what he was writing about in the gospel, uh, goes up to the point in which Jesus Christ ascended. And now he's clearly specifying to us that this is a, a new uh, letter, if you will, and a new recording of the events because... There's a lot of new things that take place here, including a switch in the dispensations in which God deals with man. We see that here early on in Acts. We begin the dispensation of the grace of God. Amen. Um, and so that's very important to understand that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's still under the dispensation of the law. Um, and now we're going to see um, Christ has ascended and the Holy Ghost is sent back. And, and the apostles here, as it's telling us in verse 2, the apostles are uh, those whom he had chosen. You know, there is confusion today on what constitutes an apostle. There's even people today that call themselves apostle. Um, there's men who have been ordained by other men to, per se, be apostles. Acts gives us the criteria right here. To be an apostle, they had to have been, first of all, most importantly, chosen by Jesus Christ. Chosen by Jesus Christ. Um, and that wasn't uh, done in a manner where it was left for speculation. Like, I can't, you can't just say, well, Jesus Christ chose me to be an apostle. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Uh, explain, right? There was a process involved where um, this was done uh, with confirming evidence and testimony and other things. Um, so here's a couple of other things that were involved with this. So to be an apostle, you have to be chosen by Christ. The second thing is you have to be a witness to his resurrection. 
You'll see that. I mean, that's biblical. If you weren't physically there to be a witness of the resurrection, uh, where he, you know, it says that he uh, appeared for 40 days and revealed himself to the disciples. And so you had to be a, a witness to the resurrection. It tells us in verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so um, you had to be chosen by Christ. You had to be a witness to his resurrection. Now we're going to see this event here where um, in this passage, and, and, and when we start talking about this, there's a lot of people that have this really twisted in their doctrinal beliefs. But let's look here in verse 4. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, right? To the Jew first. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Listen, this pertains specifically to a one-time fulfillment because they're going into this new church age where it was necessary in fulfillment of everything Jesus promised in John chapter 14, Joel 2.28, that the Holy Spirit, which we'll see in the next chapter, has to be given from the Father in order to equip these men in Jesus' physical absence to be able to carry on the work that they've been chosen to do, which is to build the church. Amen? And so there's going to be this uh, baptism of the, Holy, of the Holy Ghost. This is not something that the churches are supposed to be using to teach people today that they're going to accept Christ as Savior and then wait for some extra promise of the Father that after so many days of something or another, they'll receive some baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not true. The minute you get saved, you are baptized, immersed into the body of Christ with the Holy Spirit of God. You're given the Holy Spirit indwelling you and abiding with you forever. And that's His promise to the church age Christian. Amen? And there's no... There's no, you don't have to, if you're saved, you don't have to, well, Father, I sure pray that you'll give me the Holy Spirit. He already has, if you've gotten saved, amen? Um, and so there's people that have that all mixed up um, because of not interpreting Bible correctly, amen? Uh, it's important to look at what it says, who it says it to, the purpose of God saying it. And God wanted us to understand how the church age began and how the foundation of the church started. He wants us to understand the early church. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the modern church, if it's not fashioned after the early church, is not Jesus Christ's church. Right? He gave a specific, just like Moses had to follow the specific instructions for the tabernacle and Solomon had to follow specific instructions for the temple. Christians today need to follow the specific instructions of the Word of God for what constitutes us being a church to begin with. And so, it, you know, I just, it's a blessing that there are still Christians that want, to, that want to study the Word of God and take it seriously. Amen. Uh, not change it and try to add new ideas to it. I don't want anything uh, new. I want what's always worked from the very beginning and from the very foundation, from the Word of God, and that's the Gospel of Christ. So uh, the purpose here, we're going to talk about this. Verse 6 again. 
When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to uh, Israel? And so the disciples um, still, um, still wanting to, uh, they're still wrestling around with this, trying to understand uh, things that they don't understand. And uh, we find out here, and he said unto them, It is not for you uh, to know the times of, uh, or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. Uh, you know, there's just certain things God doesn't reveal to us because it's better off we don't know. And uh, he's reminding of them of that. But in verse 8, he tells them this, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In other words, the Holy Ghost comes upon them first, then they have the power. That power is to do this. To be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The whole purpose of the equipping them with the Holy Spirit was in order to be witnesses to Jesus Christ, to present the gospel, that people will get saved, and that churches will be planted, and that people will worship Christ until He comes back for us across the entire planet. Amen. And so the, the, the final point on the apostles, they're chosen by Christ, they're witnesses to His resurrection, and they are authenticated with the gifts that came to them with this initial pouring out of the Holy Spirit, which we'll see in the next chapter there um, at Pentecost. And so as we move forward, I want to give you this. As we move forward and we see these things happening with the healings and the tongues and all that stuff, approach it with the mindset that the main thing that you're looking at is thousands of people getting saved, amen, churches being planted, people glorifying God. There was never anything out of order or in confusion about any of the sign gifts that the apostles were using, amen. It was all, and then also understand that as the church took off and grew and developed, and then there was other men being ordained and these other things happening, the same Paul that healed in one instance is praying for God to heal him, and he couldn't heal himself. Amen? In another instance. So even Paul, who was doing the healing, was getting sick. That, you know that's one of the doctrines today? That not only can this man, who they call an apostle, lay hands on people and heal them, but he doesn't get sick, and sickness is a sign of sin. And why, why'd Paul get sick? Because we have flesh. Amen? Because the, 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 even the dispensation of that time was shifting as the revelations of the the full revelation of the of the of everything to the churches had been revealed um, people were saved now God expects us not to look for signs and wonders just to follow the word he's given us and obey it right that's how the, that's how the transition began so before I run out of time the purpose of um, the purpose of the the uh, power and everything that was being given to the apostles was to begin the church age right and when you read what they went through it was going to take a lot of powers from god in order to withstand the things that they faced in order to be successful um he gives us a charge here uh i would say that um, one of the purposes here is for Christian disciples to go on towards perfection. That's kind of uh, in the in in the separation of. So Luke writes 
the gospel according to Luke and then separates it off, breaks it off, and then does Acts. And the reason is, is because one is for us to understand the works of Christ and believe on Him as the Messiah. This one is to move on from the knowledge, just the knowledge of the gospel of Christ and move on into the perfection of the saints that God has for us. Amen. Um, and so there is a, a development process moving on and growing in sanctification. Amen. Um, infallible proofs. We see this here um, again as Jesus in verse 3 showed himself alive after his passion. That's after his resurrection by many infallible proofs. So those are 40 days that he revealed himself to the disciples. And there's a lot of, lot of things that he did. Uh, you think about... Um, the walk to Emmaus, right? The Emmaus, the Emmaus road. Um, um, the many eyewitnesses confirmed by signs. I mean, at one point he ate physical, you know, he ate. So he showed him, he literally resurrected the same body he was crucified in, right? It wasn't a spiritual body. He ate, he drank. Um, now, yeah, it was, uh, you could say there was glorification to his body because he was able to do other things that were like, wow, because he's God. Amen but before his ascension. And so one of the main things that I want to touch on with that and what it points out to us with his, with his teachings is that Jesus confirmed who he was post-resurrection by his teachings and the way he spoke to his disciples. Amen. Because uh, remember he said, my sheep hear my voice. They know the shepherd. Amen. Um, can I give you this? Nothing gives more confirmation to the soul of man concerning Christ in the Bible itself than his own words. Amen. Um, we know him by his teachings. We know him by his word. Um, so a couple key points here before we run out of time. Remember, they were told here not to depart from Jerusalem. Um, essentially, if they were going to receive this blessing God had for them, they were going to have to follow that instruction. Remain where they were told, stay where you're told to stay. Amen. Remain, do not depart from Jerusalem. He told them to wait for the promise. Amen. So you think about that, a way that can apply to all of us. Sometimes God tells us to wait for those things that he's promised to us. Amen. They had to wait. They had to wait in a specific place. And so do we follow the specific details of God's instructions to us? Amen. Lord, help us to do that. And Lord, when you tell us to wait, I'm waiting right now myself because I've got a mess of a situation with my job. And I, Lord, I'm just going to wait on you. Just going to wait. You're going to take care of it. I don't know how that's going to look yet, but this is what I know. I fully believe whatever happens, it'll be the, for the benefit of the ministry, um, for the purpose of furthering the gospel. So God will take care of it. Um, we see that baptized with the Holy Ghost. So this was a, a, a one-time situation that took place where those who were already following Jesus needed to be baptized with the Holy Ghost because they were beginning a new age, a new church age, a new dispensation, the dispensation of the grace of God. This had to have happened now for us because we're, in the, we're fully into the dispensation of grace. And in fact, we're probably coming to the close of it, but we don't know that. Exactly, but um, now we're baptized with the Holy Ghost at the minute of salvation, right? Um, so just again on that, um, 
Here, Jesus reminds us it is not for you to know the times and seasons. Um, So we need to accept the fact that things that God doesn't let us know is usually because those are things that we're better off not knowing. That's what the, the life of faith is all about. Lord, I don't know, so until you reveal it to me, I'm just going to rest in the fact that you know, and that's good enough for me. Amen? Then he says, ye shall receive power. Um, I want to give four verses before we run out of time on the power of God in our lives for us. Turn with me, if you will, go to Second Peter. For those that want power, here's the real power. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is probably one that you're already thinking. If it's, if it's verse 3, somebody's probably got the memory verse on it already. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. There's the real power right there. There's power in knowing Jesus as Savior. And His power gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There's no life I'd rather live than the life I'm living as a Christian. Amen? Um, Doing my best to follow His teachings, His will, and His word, and, and I'm thankful that He... Uh, forgives me when I fall short, but but life is to be lived in the faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, so there's power. Let's go to one more. Go to 2 Timothy. And I'm almost done for this evening. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Real godliness is a display of the power of God working in the life of the believer. Amen? We need to understand as Christians, the power of God works in our lives um, to help us live for Him and live a life that's pleasing to Him and to give Him glory. There's a warning here, but I want to just point this out. In in 2 Timothy uh, uh, 3, and look at verse 5. This is talking about uh, insincere men who proclaim, you know, re, uh, religion or this and that. They have a form of God. It says having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Um, there's something wrong with somebody who has a profession. They name Christ, but then they there's no work going on in their life when we've kind of talked about that a little bit tonight but um it denying the power thereof there's it's, nothing's changed there's no change we have churches today that want people to feel completely comfortable not changing yeah no that's not the way it should be when you accept jesus christ you go to him knowing everything's going to change amen everything's going to change uh, because His power begins to do a work inside of us. So if you're teaching a gospel that says, well, you can be a believer and that's okay to still live any way you want to and nothing has to change and it's okay. No. That's a blasphemy. Because when the Holy Ghost starts living inside of you, things are going to change. And if you happen to go off path and go into some kind of sin as a Christian, 
the Holy Spirit beats you up. Amen? And you feel like, I don't want to keep doing this. Right? However long that takes, the Lord will deal with you over it. I only got two more verses, then we'll be done. Go to Romans real quick. Romans chapter 15. And look at verse 13. Romans 15, 13. I love this. So we've seen a kind of profession where there's no power doing a transformation work. The person is denying the power of their own profession of faith. Um, there's a power that comes with being saved, and that power comes through the Holy Spirit. Now look at this in verse 13. Now the God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The ability to abound in our faith, to abound in hope, comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. And then the last verse I have for us on this is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. You want the power of God? You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, the true power of God is revealed in our lives through the testimony of how God's changed us since we got saved. Amen. And that's what uh, authenticates, uh, our testimony authenticates our testimony that we've gotten saved and allows us to effectively be able to minister to others the gospel of Jesus Christ. Same pattern we've seen there with Acts. The same pattern that takes place in our lives. Uh, it just looks a little differently than it did right there at the beginning. So that's the first eight verses of Acts chapter 1. Hope it was a good study for you this evening. Hope you'll be looking forward to working through uh, the entire uh, book of Acts there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You, Lord. For this evening, thank you for the Bible study, Lord. And um, Lord, as we look back and study the early church and how you formed everything together and called apostles and um, gave them the Holy Spirit and we've seen the church age begin and the dispensation of grace begin and your ministry begin for the gospel and the, the full re revelations of everything that you have for believers right here and right now. Um, God, we're thankful for that tonight. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you uh, grow us spiritually in our understanding and um, help us yield to your will um, to be as effective as we can be in reaching others uh, for your kingdom, Lord. Uh, thank you for the study tonight. I certainly pray that uh, we will meditate on this and apply it in our lives with gratitude and thankfulness. Lord, we thank you for your power tonight. Thank you that you've given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness, Lord. Um, help us live for you and enjoy the fruits and the joy and the peace that comes from living a life surrendered uh, to the Savior. God, we thank you for tonight. I ask you to keep everyone safe as we leave here this evening. Help everyone get home and Lord bless them for the remainder of this week. 
that we may come together again for our fellowship on Sunday to worship you and to enjoy each other's company. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We need you. And uh, Lord, it's good to be in your family. In Jesus' name, amen.